0: This season is always hard when you're a pastor because everybody expects you to preach on Christmas stuff. And that's easy when you first get in the ministry because you don't... But after you've done it for a while, in my case, almost 30 years, you've preached a lot of Christmas messages. So to try to keep it fresh and new and those kinds of things becomes really difficult at times. So... I'm going to take a series here for the next four weeks on something that I haven't done before, something I haven't looked at, but it's really about the four songs of Christmas. When you read the Christmas story, and I'm just going to assume we're all very familiar with the Christmas story, all right? We're still going to read it, but you all know what happens, and you all know the elements of it. But one of the things that we want to focus on is that in the scripture, there are four songs that are recorded, that are associated with this season, with this Christmas story. And so over the course of the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at those different songs and what we can learn from them that will help us as we we go forward. You need to understand that the, the Christmas story is not found in all of the Gospels. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, only two of them actually record the Christmas story, and there's a reason for that. Uh, Matthew, when he writes the gospel, is writing it to present Jesus as king. So if someone's going to be a king, their birth is very important. Their lineage is very important. They need to have a kingly lineage. So it's very important that Matthew include the birth of Jesus Christ, and he does. The gospel of Mark presents Jesus as a servant. Nobody cares about a servant's birth. A servant is a servant. Nobody cares that he's born. They just care that he exists and he serves. So Mark does not record the birth of Jesus Christ. Luke presents Jesus Christ as the Son of Man. So just like us, we all celebrate the idea of our birthdays and and special events and anniversaries and things like that. And the reason we celebrate them uh, is because birthdays are important to us as human beings. So when he's presenting Jesus as the Son of Man, it's very, very important that we include the birth of Jesus Christ in the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of John presents Jesus as the Son of God. So therefore, guess what? God doesn't have a birth. God has always existed. So when John starts talking about Jesus, he starts it out with saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. He deals with the eternal existence of God. So the birth of Jesus Christ is not mentioned in the Gospel of John as well. So you need to understand why we only have it where we have it and and the purposes for that. This morning we're going to look at Luke's account. And uh, let me give you a, a little bit of background. What we're going to look at is Mary's song, which is often called the Magnificat. It, it's from the Latin word magnify, so that's how it, the term that you will see used it, about it. <clears throat> it's ten verses, but in those ten verses, um, eight times she praises God. <clears throat> Fifteen times she has an Old Testament, Old Testament reference or an Old Testament quote in those ten verses. So this is a woman who is, a, I say, a woman. She's approximately, probably, historically, we're saying about 15 years old. Okay. So who's 15 in here? Anybody got anybody 15 years old? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Nick, 15 years old. Okay. So if he was a woman, um, <laughs> 15 years old, about ready to have a, about ready to have a child. I mean, so you know, it's 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 my mind again. They got married younger back then. I understand all of that. But the whole concept of this very, very young girl being entrusted with this incredible, incredible deal is mind-boggling when you really think about it, okay? And uh, so this morning, we're going to look at her response. Um, and so let's, let me bring you up to date in the story. You, you kind of know the story already. But the angel comes to her and says, um, well, first of all, let me back it up. She's engaged to Joseph, all right? Now, engagement in this time was different than engagement now. You know, engagement now, we give somebody a ring, we tell them that we're going we're to get married, we plan on it, something happens, engagement breaks off, we decide we don't like each other, then it's still a big deal. In this culture, it was a big deal. In, in, in this culture, engagement was almost, it's, it's about as close to marriage as you can get without the physical aspect of it, Okay. In this culture, often what would happen is the period of engagement was a year long. It was a year long to make sure that both couples were were physically pure. And if those couples broke up for any reason, it was basically they would actually write, in some cases, a bill of divorcement, um, that they had divorced a person. You know the story. An angel appears to Mary and says, hey, you're going to have a child. And she's going to, you know what, I know biology and not possible. She goes, no, no, you don't understand. This child is from God. And um, you have been chosen to bring this child into the world. That is going to end. Now, you need to think about this for a minute. This turned her world upside down. Every dream she had at that moment went right out the window. Every plan that she had, boom, her reputation, gone. What everybody thought about her in the community and her family, thrown out the window. This was a big deal in this culture. And so for someone who was a Jew, who had been brought up in a Jewish world, who, who her reputation and her character and her purity were very, very important, for that to be taken from her in a moment, because, not because of what happened, but because of what people thought. I mean, this was a girl who's going to go around and go, no, 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 no. look, the, you know Joseph and I, no, 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 no. And everybody's going to go, right, sure, we've heard that before. And her world was over as far as she knew it. So you need to understand. So you need to ask yourself this. If you found yourself in a situation where your world's turned upside down, every dream you've got went right out the window, if everything just blew up, so to speak, in a moment of time, how do you respond? That's the great thing about Mary's song. We have how she responded recorded in Luke chapter 1. And what she does is she heads to go and meet with Elizabeth, who's carrying John the Baptist. It's a fascinating story, uh, fascinating story, where when Mary comes in with John, who's, who's carrying Jesus, and Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist, the text literally says, John leaps in her womb. Now, I don't know what you believe about the whole abortion, life at conception, blah, 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 blah thing. But one of the things you learn in this story is, before they were quote-unquote people, as our world says, or human beings, as our world says. They were actually able to acknowledge one another and know one another. And that has some incredible implications for this whole pro-life movement thing from a biblical perspective. And it says that John was able to leap in her womb. And then Mary goes to Elizabeth, stays with Elizabeth for a while until she delivers uh, but we have her response. Her and Mary start talking. Elizabeth and Mary start talking. And we have Mary's response, and here's what it said. In the Greek language, here's what you need to understand. Um, this is this section is in four groups. It's, there's four specific groups. And each one kind of addresses a different idea. So I'm going to look at it that way, hit it, and then we're going to apply it. So uh, let's dive into it, and here's what it says. Uh, the first section is the first two verses. And Mary said... My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. And behold, henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. In other words, the first thing she does is she looks at herself and says, you know what, my soul, my spirit, magnify and glorify God. Now, we look at this story, and we say, yeah, she should, because God chose her. You did not understand what that meant for her. What that meant as her reputation was done. What that meant was she was going to have to go to Joseph and tell him something that was unbelievable. And even Joseph has a hard time believing it, and he's he's minded to put her away privately. And the the Bible says, then the angels came to him and said, no, 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 this is of God, She's, she's right. Think of what she would have had to say to her parents and try to explain it to mom and dad or her best friend or people in their little community circle group or how it would have looked when she went into the synagogue and they found out. And she's able to say, my soul does magnify the Lord. She's able to step back and say, you know what? <clears throat> I am willing to glorify God and praise God even in this difficult upside-down world kind of time. And she allowed it. And by the way, this is incredible because this girl is incredibly young. And for her to quote over 15 Old Testament references in 10 verses, this is somebody who knew God. This is somebody who had walked with God. Notice what she goes on to say. For he who is mighty has done great things, not to me but for me not great things against me but great things great things for me <clears throat> and then it's fascinating she says and his, and holy is his name and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation she on one hand says god is incredibly powerful and on the other hand she said but he is also incredibly merciful and in the middle of that is his holiness. It's like th- his, they sandwich his holiness, this idea that God is holy and he is loving. Yes, he is loving. And but he is incredibly powerful as well. And those that fear him, you need to understand there's both elements of that involved. And this is what she said. He's been that way to me. He's shown me his power. He's shown me his mercy. The idea of mercy has this goes back to this Old Testament concept of Hesed, which is a, is a phenomenal Old Testament word. It's an Old Testament idea of. God's loving loyalty and God's faithfulness and God's always be sticking with you no matter what kind of thing. And she's able to focus on that. And she looks at this whole idea and she says, you know, this is, this is the idea. His mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. And then she goes on. Her next part of it says this. Uh, go to the next one, guys. Um, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has pulled down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. She now talks, she's talking about people who have feared the Lord and, and, and tasted his power and his mercy and his holiness. She now talks about those who don't fear the Lord, and she says here, she says, now look, you know what? He's shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud in the imagination of her heart. He's pulled down the mighty for their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry. And the rich he sent away. She said, look, I understand that, and here's the key, God's in control. He's still on the throne. And he's still setting up people, and he's still tearing down people. He's taking those who are poor, and he's feeding them. He's taking those who are rich, and he's bringing them down. Because you see, what's going to happen in her world? She's going to wonder where God is in all of this. Because she has done what's right. And she's going to be mocked and criticized and she's going to be shot at basically people are going to take their little jabs at her the whole time and it's going to be very easy for her to go i don't understand why bad things are happening to good people But right at the bat, she said no no i understand this i understand that god is still in control that this hasn't taken god by surprise and then she goes and a lot of people don't focus on this last part but he says he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He has spoken to our fathers, to Abraham, to his seed forever. And she remained about three months and then returned to her house. In this last section here, she talks about how God has been faithful to Israel and reminding herself, because God has taken care of Israel, God will also take care of me. So that's Mary's song. That's what she, she basically focuses on. I think there's a lot of lessons for us, and so here we go. Here's the first one. When her world turns upside down, she worships. Let me say it again. When a world turns upside down, she worships. There's a great principle for us right there. Because you see, that's not our our response when our world turns upside down, is it? I mean when, when your dreams are shattered, do you worship get angry we get we start asking questions we go through this turmoil kind of thing but Mary when her world turns upside down she steps back and she worships and she says you know what God has been incredible to me I think there's something to be said for that I don't know what kind of year you've had now it's been a good one I don't know if it's a bad one I don't know if it's one which you've Your world has kind of got turned upside down. I don't want to minimize what happened at all. Just like I don't want to minimize the world that Mary is about to experience. But I will say this. One of the things that's going to help her as she goes forward is she worships. She steps back and she says, this is what I have to be grateful for. I, I think that helps us during those times when our world goes upside down. Because often what do we focus on? We focus on what we've lost. We focus on what we're missing. We focus on all those kinds of things. And I get that. That's natural. But so often in that, we, we forget to focus on what we have and what we've been given. And I, I, I want to challenge you because here's what's going to happen this season. It, it's already happening to some of us. I'm talking about me. We focus on what we want because we don't have it. You know, um, you know. I've 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 been sucked into the Echo Dot addiction. Hey, okay? if you know what I'm talking about, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you don't, um, empty nest is so much better now with Gene, I, and Alexa. Okay, because. Alexa can give me the weather, and Alexa, I can talk to Alexa. So now when I'm talking, i I got somebody that will respond, and will listen to me. And, you know, um, a little frustrating when I say Alexa, and she goes, I'm sorry, I've lost my connection. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of in that world right now where, you know, and, and it's easy for me to go, okay, now that I have one Echo Dot, I need another one. Because... That one's in my kitchen, and I want one in my bathroom. Oh yeah, because you got to realize you get up in the morning and go, you go, uh, uh, Alexa, what's the weather today? And it tells me what the weather is. Alexa, um, what's you know, Alexa, uh, Alexa. <laughs> you guys are, some of you look at me like I'm from another planet. I'm telling you, this is all, uh, Alexa, plays Chicago, and it plays all my favorite songs from Chicago. Alexa, I don't like that song. Skip it. Uh, and so, like I say, it, so now it's like, well, now I want to get up in the morning, and when I get up in the morning, I don't want to have to turn on the TV or go all the way downstairs to get the weather. Alexa, tell me the weather today. And the weather today is, and you can name her something else, but, I, you know, um, here, here's my point. Okay, I'm actually going somewhere with this. Okay. I think I am. Where was I going with this? Oh, What's that? Huh? What do you say? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I don't know. I know where I'm going with this. The idea is, the idea is we want, more, we want more, and we want more, and we want more, and we want more. And one of the things that we have to do this season is be careful of that and stop and realize what we have. You see, we have been incredibly blessed. And God has been incredibly good to us. And yes, our world may not have gone the way we planned this past year. And yes, our... (laughs) That's not Alexa, is it? Okay. Uh, (laughs) Ah! She followed me. Ah, she's following me. That gets really scary. Uh, But here's the idea, okay? The idea is we're constantly in a world which wants more and more and more. And what happens is when our world doesn't go like we think it should have gone or like we had planned that it should have gone, it's easy for us to go and focus on what we've lost or what we're not getting or how it didn't work that way. Mary doesn't do that. She stops and she worships. She says, this is what God has done for me. This is how God has taken care of me. This is what God has blessed me with. This is how great God is. There's a lesson for that. There's a lesson in there for us. I want challenges you to head into the Christmas season. Yeah, we all want something. Okay? You go, oh, you know, I don't. You know, I don't want anything. I just, you know... I'm just happy the way I am, well, um, then let me know who you are, and I'll have people buy stuff for me. uh you know no, I mean uh, really i mean it's a it's that concept of you know we all got something that we want and and, and then it's, there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong with that concept unless we become unhappy with what we've been given, okay uh. And, and, and that's an important thing. And wh- that's what you see in Mary. I think if we're not careful what happens in the Christmas season, we lose the concept of worship. And that's one of the things you see in this story. That's the, one of the first things that she does. The second thing that you see in her is this idea of she focuses on a relationship with God. The fact that in 10 verses, 8 times she can praise God, and 15 times she can refer to Old Testament references and quotes and allusions, that tells me this young girl knew God. She calls him, by the way, my Savior. There's a personal aspect of her relationship with God. Because she also focuses on that concept of it, the idea that, 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 that my Savior, my God, is going to be able to get me through this. And you've got to realize what this is going to mean for her. We know how this story ends. She doesn't at this point. Um, when we get into one of the other songs you're going to see where, where she's informed early, early in, in this little child's life that uh, she's going to watch him die. From day one, I mean early in, in the life of Jesus, she knew this is what was going to come. And and, and, the point of it, and the point of this thing is this idea of it was her relationship with God that was going to help her as she got through it in the days ahead. I can't stress that enough for any of us. But that idea of our personal relationship with Christ—that's what. If you, if you go through this season and you don't have that, I'm going to say this as nice as I can. You're, you don't get what Christmas is about at all. You can't. It is about God coming to this earth for you and for me. And that is a—that is an awesome thought that God would do that for us because we are that important to Him. Mary here has that personal relationship, and she talks about that. She talks about that idea of that, that it's that personal relationship with Christ that's going to get her through the fact that her world is turned upside down. And then she reminds herself of this. God's in control. God, This, this whole thing didn't take God by surprise. In fact, just the opposite. God chose her. And I think that is an amazing idea, that at her young age, she's able to look back and say, you know what, God, thank you for doing this for me, for me, not to me, for me. Thank you, God, for allowing this situation to come into my life. I understand that you're in control. I understand this didn't take you by surprise. I understand all of that. So my goal is to help me use this to glorify you. What an incredible outlook on what she's gone through. To be able to say, okay, Lord, I, you know, I, I had my wedding with Joseph all planned out. And I knew we were going to go on our honeymoon. And we had our house all set up and and, and, and we had this whole future planned out, and he was going to do this, and he was going to do that. He didn't focus on all the stuff that she lost. And the reality is, you know the story. They're going to go to Bethlehem, and they're not going to get back to that area for a couple of years. She's going to spend the first couple of years not surrounded by family, but in Egypt, taking care of a little baby among total strangers and pagans. And she's able to sit back and say, God, I know that you're in control. And I know you've chosen this for me, so you're going to have to help me as I try to navigate through this for your glory. And I think that's a response that as times come in our lives, that's what we have to do. We have to step back and say, and again, this here's the thing. This stuff is easy to say, but living it and doing it It's a whole different level of of following Jesus. It's a whole different level of serving God. But what happens is when we can do it, the world takes notice. I mean, the world's going to step back and look at this girl and Joseph, and and they're still going to be able to admire what they are able to do with this child. And, and, And the thing is, they are, Joseph and Mary are actually able to sit back and realize that God's in control. So instead of sitting back and going, why me, why me, why me, they actually sit back and go, okay, how are we going to use this to glorify God? And I think that's the thing. I think that's the, one of the great lessons here is that when those times come, if your world's been turned upside down, if this has been a, a, a tough year for you, if, if whatever plans or dreams or ideas that you have that didn't kind of pan out for the year or maybe in the process of changing. It's easy, it's easy, and it's natural for us to say, why me, why me, why me? I I get that. But a much better question is to do what Mary does here and says. How are we going to use this to glorify you? You're in control. You have been faithful. You have been merciful. You are holy. You are powerful. You can get us through this. And we are going to cling to you just like Israel. And we understand that you're going to be faithful to us just like you've been faithful to Israel. You're not going to call us to do this and then abandon us. And we're going to trust that. Because you are in control. And as hard as this is to say, the truth is there. Nothing comes into your life that doesn't first go through the hands of God. You're his child. He loves you. He wants to protect you. He wants to guide you. He wants to direct you. Sometimes that means, sometimes that means, we go through some tough stuff. You know, um, you know we're, we're learning that as grandparents right now. It's like, you know, when that, when that little girl, I mean, she's got one speed, <laughs> full bore. It's like, you are going to fall. You know what you do? You let her go at full speed until she falls a couple of times and learns. You know, you just can't always go at full speed. Maybe when she's 50, 60 years old, she'll figure it out. And she may be just like her grandfather and still not get it at 50 and 60. Uh, But, you know, at some point you're going to have to learn that, and that's going to be part of the process for her. But, you know, don't. Don't sit back and look at what's happening right now and think that God's abandoning you. That's one thing you see about Mary. She stops and she focuses. She says, you know what? I'm going to worship. I'm going I'm to focus on what God has done and how faithful he has been and how well he has been and that he's in control. And she ends it by saying he keeps his promises. Mm-hmm. He's been faithful to Israel. When, when you study the Old Testament, I mean, I mean look, you, you just do a cursory reading of the Old Testament. Here's, here's the questions you're going to ask yourself all the time. Why didn't God just wipe these people out? I mean, he's good to them, and he blesses them, and they turn their back on him. They cry out to him, and he saves them, and then they they go right back to what they were doing before. And the great you read the Old Testament, honestly, if you read Genesis to Malachi, the question you ask yourself over and over and over and over again is, why don't you wipe them out and start all over? In fact, one of the most fascinating stories to me is when God suggests doing that to Moses. And you know what Moses does? Moses argues for the people and says, God, look, your name is too important. People will use that as against you. You can't do that. Because God was testing Moses. And as you look at it over and over, that's why I said that concept of hesed, that loving loyalty, that's what that is. That's the reason God sticks with Israel. Is God said, look, I made a promise to Abraham and I'm going to back on my word. And Israel's my people, and Israel will always be my people, and I'm going to take care of my people. I might have to take them through some tough times to get their attention, but they're still my people. And Mary sits back and goes, God, I know that you're faithful. And whatever you have allowed in in, in this thing, while there's a lot of people that will call me blessed, I will not see it in my lifetime. Because people were not running around talking about how great Mary was in the first century. There was a handful of people that thought she was great because Jesus was great, but in the of the people, honestly, the words that they used for her were not words I can use in a group like this. The words that they used describing Jesus were not words we often use in our culture in a setting like this. Why? Because no one believed her story. No one was going to believe her story. And she was able to live with that her entire life and still be able to look at it and say, you know what? You have blessed me. Even though it was going to be a tough journey. And the thing that I would encourage you with or try to encourage you with that I think you see from her, even though her world was turned upside down, she was able to worship. She was able to focus on what God had done. She was able to claim the promises that God had always been faithful. And you see that as she starts in this incredible world that she is going to be exposed to now with having to raise, I mean, and think about this as a parent for a minute, having to raise a child who's never wrong. I know you, many of you have children who think they're never wrong. That's a different category. This is a category of raising the child who's God. You think you had a tough job? Raising a child who doesn't think they are smarter than you, but is smarter than you. Let me just throw this at you, okay? Because we don't think of these terms. Having a child who knows your every thought. Having a child who knows your every thought as a parent. Because I know there's things I've wanted to say to my kids that I didn't say, and yet Jesus would have known. Jesus would have known. That is an incredible, awesome, horrendous weight and task that is put on a young girl. And she's able to, rather than run from it, and rather than to talk about how bad it is and how much it's going to mess up her life and how hard it's going to be and how difficult she's able to step back and say, God, I know you're going to help me through this. And that's my song. And here's what I would say. That's not any different than you and I today. That God is faithful. He will take care of us. He will be be there for us through all of it, no matter how hard, no matter how difficult it is. And that's one of the great things I think you see about this, this thing. But one of the keys for us is to learn to worship in spite of it even though it's difficult. So I end with it this way. When Mary's world turned upside down, she does not panic. Instead, she worships. She focuses on her relationship to God and the fact that God has chosen to use her. She understands that God is in control. This event did not take him by surprise, but is part of something that is much bigger than her. And she praises the fact that God is faithful and God will keep his promises. And God, for some reason, chose to use her. That's no different for any of us as well. Let's pray. Lord, as we look back on this year, Lord, for some of us, we have seen incredible blessings and it's easy for us to worship. Lord, for others, it has been a really tough year, and there's a, and for some, Lord, there's a, the, the year ahead is just as difficult. Lord, it's easy for us to lose perspective. It's hard for us sometimes to focus on what we've been given instead of what has been taken from us or what we are struggling with at the time. So, Lord, we're going to need your help. And we're going to need your strength. We're going to need each other to help our focus be on you and not our circumstances and not our situation. And, Lord, when we don't know um, what to do, would you help us to trust? Would you help us to just simply put our lives and the situation and the circumstances in your hands? And, Lord, we ask that you would use those moments, use those times, use those events, Lord, to bring honor and glory to your name. And that, Lord, one day when we gather around your throne and we can see life from your perspective instead of our own, we'll understand much better, Lord, not only what you did but why you did it. And we will give you the honor and the glory and the praise and uh, ask you to use us these things we ask in your name. Amen.